three, two, one. Clap. I think we almost got it that time. No, <laughs> definitely not. Hey, what are you what are you doing over there next to that large stack of Tolstoy biographies? Come on, get on in here. We're doing a we're doing a tipsy Tolstoy bonus episode. Yeah, come on in. I'm as you probably know, Cameron Lalana. And as you're already aware, I am Matt Garrisonovich. Unless you're not aware. In that case, uh, we're the host of Tipsy Tolstoy, and this was a bad place for you to start. Yeah, I wouldn't recommend it, but you know, come on in. You're already here, you may as well stay. Welcome to bonus episode number three. If you are not a Patreon subscriber, this will only be the second one. But if you are a Patreon subscriber, uh, welcome to the number three club. It's just you and us. Uh, <laughs> Hanging out. Sitting around the fire. Sitting around the fire. Yeah. Well, I can turn on my um, the light on my desk, and that's kind of like a fire. Mm-hmm. I've had several beers, so my ears kind of feel like they're on fire. Sometimes <laughs> I get hot when I drink. It's a fun thing that happens to me now that I'm an old man. You get hot flashes? I think I might. I don't know. <laughs> it's probably not good. <laughs> I guess when you combine lack of exercise with poor diet in a high stress work environment. Not ideal. The American dream, am I right? <laughs> <laughs> when I started feeling uh, like I need to improve my diet instead of actually doing substantive work to like inform myself about what kind of nutrients I should generally be eating, I just started including like a whole bunch of kale with breakfast every morning and I was like, Yeah, this is fitness. Mm-hmm. This is a uh, this is But health. don't you feel good for the rest of the day after you do that? <laughs> so mentally it's like you've done it. I like my kale like charred, so I just cook it until it's kind of like crispy. And I think I might just be cooking all the nutrients Mm. out of it. Ooh, that's possible. Yeah, I don't know enough about kale specifically to say. Yeah, I don't know anything about anything. So that makes it a real challenge. Ooh, that's true. Good thing we have our own podcast. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I feel like we didn't get enough banter in on the first bonus episode. So I'm I'm glad to be able to come back to another another bonus episode. And for whatever reason, people like the first bonus episode. So I guess... uh, you know, the, the, the people demand it, so we have to do a second one. Welcome back to round two if we tell random stories from our life, usually in Russia, but not always. Not exclusively. Yes, yes. Before we get into the episode, I do want to say that uh, if you want to hang out with us more and chat with us directly, you can join our Discord. It's been open since we launched, but it may not be very obvious because if you click on the link tree in the bio of our Instagram account... Uh, that'll take you to all the links to our website, uh, Anchor, other stuff. Uh, and included there is a link to our Discord where you can find us and a few other people who have already joined. Uh, there you can chat with us. And I'm not trying to bribe you or anything, but uh, if you're free and I'm free, I will play StarCraft with you. Or, you know, another game. I'm just bad at StarCraft this week, so it's on my mind. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you said your friends, like coerce you into playing starcraft yes on on new year's eve uh we were doing a virtual new year's eve and in in exchange for i use them as guinea pigs for uh, learning how to become a a keeper of arcane lore for call of cthulhu uh that i agreed to let them teach me starcraft on new year's eve because we're very cool sounds like one of those takes up more time than the other (laughs) well starcraft (laughs) has drained significantly more of my life than i like to admit in the last couple of weeks yes yeah yeah uh, <laughs> did I buy an entire set to get into Call of Cthulhu and then spend that time playing StarCraft? Yes, I did. Uh, I'm not proud of my spending habits. <laughs> um, oh, me either. <laughs> uh, but yes, yeah, so you can join our Discord, chat with us about Russian literature. Eventually, what we're looking to maybe do is start maybe doing community nights and 
Uh, that would be us all hanging out, watching a movie together. Uh, we failed to start a Tarkovsky movie club in Russia, so maybe we could fail to start a Tarkovsky movie club in our Discord, too. Yes, sir. There's always time to fail to start things. Exactly. <laughs> Play games or, you know, just hang out. So... Uh, not that I'm advertising our Discord, but you should get on our Discord. Again, I will play StarCraft with you. That might actually be uh, a disincentive, but if it's a disincentive, I'll play a different video game with you. In, yeah, I'll play a different video game with you too. Yeah, yeah. there we go. How about that, Cameron? <laughs> How about that? I also play video games. How do you feel about that? It's <laughs> uh, a, it's a new, new startling fact for me. I thought you were um, like a sports playing Chad, so this is kind of breaking down all of my <laughs> notions about you. That's a real big conception people have about me when they see me tall and lanky walking up with my with my chino pants on and my button-down iron shirt. They're like, this man, he's a sports-playing Chad. Yeah, this man likes to buy year-over-year year the exact same NBA game or whatever and just play that. That's it. It's, it's, it's tough to break out of. I think we need a more to spread more awareness for sports-playing Chads. See, that's only sort of a joke because you actually did play baseball for a long time and do Krav Maga for two years, which is, although I've known you on and off for two years now, a fact I somehow just learned like two weeks ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah, good times, good times. Yeah, but I think even when I was doing that, I, I wasn't like, a, <clears throat> I don't think I would ever self-identify as a Chad. <laughs> I think I think personality-wise. Right, well, you told me that part of Krav Maga is learning to avoid situations in which you would need to use Krav Maga and not identifying yes, yourself as that, a Chad is step one to avoiding those situations. Yes, I think the the avoidance part of martial arts and fighting in general is something I have to date exceeded at, <laughs> which, you know, good. Yeah. Probably. <laughs> so so what have you been playing besides StarCraft? What have you, or what have you even been up to besides StarCraft? I feel like I haven't gotten to talk to you in a while, actually, just because... Uh, the first week of grad school has been absolutely whooping me into shape. That's fair. And I have not enjoyed That's it. That's fair. Uh, well, uh, primarily, I have been painting. Uh, this is a fun fact for you all. Uh, to, this, this is just going to be the episode where you break down all notions you had of the both of us as we go into mm -hmm. our real lives outside of high-minded things like Russian literature. Uh, my as we continue to disappoint you outside <laughs> of Russian, Russian literature. <laughs> yeah. My my main hobby is outside of all my other hobbies. Uh, painting models. I, I, I paint across a variety of manufacturers, but uh, I primarily paint uh, Warhammer miniatures, which if you don't know what that is, don't look it up. And for those of you who do know what it is, I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, I know. When you said that at first, I was like, God, what a nerd. I can't believe I fell on podcasts with this guy. And then I looked up Warhammer figures and I was like, I want to start painting these. This is awesome. <laughs> yeah, they're um, really, they're fun. They look cool. It's very D&D &D adjacent, I think, which is why it attracted me. Yeah, kind of. Uh, there's like this group um, which are like a kind of a meme faction called the Angry Marines. There's this wiki called 1D4chan, which uh, among other systems, Warhammer's on there. It's basically just like explaining Warhammer, but bad and kind of racist. And a meme that started on there was the Angry Marines, which was just some space Marines or Stardis who were really angry. I had a friend who thought those were hilarious, so I painted her an Angry Marine. And now I wanted to do a better version of that, so I spent the past week. Uh, I bought, oh, no. I bought, I bought some Astartes and I bought a bunch of bits, and I've been spending the last week like modifying these models because they come in parts you have to assemble them and like i have putty mm -hmm. that i kind of use to model and change them and bring in parts from other kits to create them make them look a little bit more like what they look like when they're drawn so that's what i'm doing with my time just wasting it wasting my my young young years that i will never get back uh <laughs> assembling models to paint so if i'm hearing you correctly yes you're saying that your one of your main pastimes started as a joke that you then got invested in 
Oh, no. That, okay. Do you know how I got into model painting? No, I don't. I was in a game store, and I saw a magazine, which was like war gaming. It was an issue. I guess recently, one of these companies had come out with a kits for the Crimean War. And it was a little issue where it came with like five. What? Yeah, Imperial era Russian soldiers in like a little sprue. Wow, okay. And I joked to my friend that maybe I should get into wargaming, kind of making fun of, of wargamers. And then she, uh, because she's never wanted to back down from a challenge, bought me the magazine. And I had some free time later and I actually read it and I was like, this is kind of cool. <laughs> and then I bought some paints mm -hmm. and painted the figures. And then that became a spiral, and now I own like. Wait, how long ago was this? Uh, probably a year and a half, close to two years ago. Uh, was when I okay. I got into that, and uh, now I own like now now I have recently set up an entire desk just for painting, where I keep my airbrush and my like eighty paints and <laughs> like sixteen half assembled models. Honestly, it looked pretty cool. You sent me a picture of your desk earlier, and it looked nice when they were all stacked up. I Thank was like, this is very aesthetically pleasing. <laughs> Maybe I'll just never finish them and call it an aesthetic choice when I have like, <laughs> when I never actually do the the work because uh, one of the one of the cardinal rules yeah. of mini painting is that not every model needs to be perfect, uh, which is a rule to save your sanity yeah. as you don't try to spend 15 hours on every single miniature out of like a pack of 15 that you bought. Uh, but I don't ever sure. abide by that rule, so I finish like one model every month. So well, that's part of having hobbies is um, spending forever and not getting them ever to be how you want. That is true. That's, that's my favorite part of hobbies that you never quite are satisfied with what you do. Yeah. Uh, in life, really. What about you? What have you been spending your, your time on? Nothing nearly as exciting. Just going back to school. <laughs> just, just hating the fact that I am on. I, for the first time, I'm taking, I'm taking four classes yeah. this quarter instead of three like last quarter. And grad school loves this thing where they give you three hour classes in the late afternoon or night which does not really mesh with my habits <laughs> and so i'll work all morning and afternoon and i will sit on a three-hour class and do my best to listen right and then i will be done at five or six or seven and want to go to bed so that <laughs> i feel like i feel like my, my external hobby to grad school mm -hmm. would be the podcast right which has been keeping my sanity believe it or not well, that's good. I'm glad to hear that. Yeah, it's good. It's good. Yeah. yeah. I mean, grad school's fun, though. I, w I wouldn't trade it in. I'd like to be in person. I'd like to go um, be angsty in a library somewhere. If only. If only. <laughs> Some number of months to years from now. Yeah. Okay, so I was thinking about this the other day. My friend showed me, my friend, my roommate showed me this new mask that Razer is making. I don't know if you're familiar with this. Mm -mm. So Razer, like the, the gaming company, uh, they're currently yep. working on a mask which looks like you know like a full-on respirator rbg it's rbg it's like it looks like a gas mask yes. the like the front of oh, it yes. is clear plastic there are lights which illuminate your mouth oh, so people yes. can see what you're speaking mm -hmm. and okay i want to hate it and i feel like there's gonna be something majorly wrong with it but i kind of love oh, it certainly yeah uh yep. but like it just made me think that if this is if this becomes more normal wearing like that kind of mask instead of just surgical masks and other cloth masks uh we're just one step closer to um basically living fallout <laughs> like half of the wastelanders are wearing those masks but the only thing is that all the chem addicted uh, raiders in fallout knew they should be wearing masks which is not something we can convince people today so <laughs> <laughs> i just feel like if i'm gonna be wearing a mask for a while i would like to up my game and mm -hmm. i would like to have some lights on it i would like rgb lights yeah i do want rgb lights i want to I want it to be going to the music that I'm listening to, the steps I'm taking mm. by breathing, whatever I want. I want to be able to do it. 
But above all, I would like the technology to not fog up my glasses when it's cold outside <laughs> because I live in Chicago now and it's cold outside all the time. Yeah. And every time I go outside and I start breathing, my glasses are instantly fogged. And the only thing I've seen to stop it are people are like, oh, put a Band-Aid over your nose. But I don't remember to take a Band-Aid with me every time I leave my house. Like, I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to go outside with my foggy glasses and pretend like I can see as I'm staggering down the sidewalk. That's That's how God intended it to be. As he did. But so anyways, you know, if I'm going to at least be blinded because of my fog, I may as well have smart RGB lights on there. I am. I love the image of you wearing chino pants and a sweater and like a button up and then a black RGB rainbow (laughs) (laughs) mask. (laughs) Top half Immortan Joe, bottom half Banana Republic mannequin. (laughs) I mean, I would do it. I would do it for the country. That's what I'm doing it for. That's fair. Yeah, (laughs) For America. Um, For America. (laughs) For real America. The state of Jefferson. I think all clothes should have RGB lights on them. Like a thin strip. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. I'd I'd support that. I'd support that, yeah. Okay, so I have a question. Outside of uh, what we're reading for the podcast, what are you reading in your personal life? Well... Cameron, thank you for exposing me on the bonus episode. A lot of what we read on the podcast is what I read in my personal life because I have such little time outside of my coursework reading that I have to combine things. That's fair. That's fair. A a lot of the podcasts, I'm recycling content that I read either in my undergrad or for graduate studies just because, well, there's only so much Russian literature I'm into and chances are I've read a good portion of it by now. Yeah. Um, That being said, I've been doing for graduate school a lot of Tolstoy stuff, mm-hmm. just kind of getting more into the 19th century right. for comprehensive exams and stuff like that. So Anna Karenina last quarter, War and Peace this quarter, mm-hmm. that has been sucking like a ton of time because those are both thick books. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to get a paper published on Anna Karenina and film adaptations right now. So I've been reading a ton of like just outside scholarship yeah. on that. So not all the reading is... Something I could even put on the podcast if I wanted. A lot of it right. is just like, can you read 10 journal articles today and half of a book and skim and see if any of these are relevant and see where your argument fits into them? Which is like, it's fun, but it's very different than what we do on the podcast for right. sure. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, so a lot of 19th century, especially last quarter, but we're, tr- we're transitioning into 20th century this quarter, which is just, oh boy, do I love it. I'm taking a a class on futurism Mm -hmm. right now, like global futurism, which is cool. And a class on Russian revolution and gender, which is super cool. Reading reading some uh, revolutionary poetry. Pretty hot. I'm not really much of a poetry guy, I didn't think. Right. Um, And then we were reading some Akhmatova. Yeah, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. No particular reason I'm pointing that out. Um. (laughs) Yeah, we might read some of the podcast. We'll see. I think it's I think it's fun. I think it'll be it would be something different than just prose, mm-hmm. short stories, novels. It's different. You approach it completely differently. And yeah. I'm learning better how to approach it. And since I can read it in Russian, there are things that become clear that poets are doing that you just it's very difficult to tra- to capture in mm-hmm. translation. It's right. not possible to capture everything. Not to sound like one of those people who's like, oh, you gotta read it in the original Russian, but like <laughs> To a degree, I think yeah. it can be helpful in understanding the, especially the structural and grammatical changes that are happening that are very, very subtle things that like native speakers, yeah, would have to point out to me even. So like I, 
It's fun. Yeah. No, I get it. One of my favorite jokes of all time is from like an old, old Spanish poem. And it's a joke that I can never tell anyone because it doesn't make any sense in English. Mm-hmm. It is a joke relating to a particular road in southern Spain and relating to a saint. And it's also like saying the na- saint's name wrong. And you've got to spend like 15 minutes explaining, you know, a one line offhand mm-hmm. joke, which is basically just he calls one poet is angry at another poet. And he calls him son. Instead of calling him Santiago, like the uh, the saint, he calls him Santrago, like Saint Sip or Saint Drink, implying he's an alcoholic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it just doesn't work in English. And it's really <laughs> funny in Spanish, but. I, I so I think I, I I get what you mean. I think it's 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 hard to look back, but I think that's one of the fun things about doing a PhD is you can actually really get into the granular stuff of one of the things that I like that no, nobody seems to care about because oh well why would you? It's just like when different writers have beef with each other. <laughs> yeah, it's just funny to watch it like happen when you can read diaries or letters and correspondence or even just like subtle references in. The writing, I just find it endlessly <laughs> amusing. But what are you are you, are you reading anything outside of the uh, outside of the podcast? I assume you are. Yeah, yeah, I'm reading. Well, so I'm always I'm always reading Warhammer novels. Mm-hmm. Uh, unfortunately, sure. that's who I am. You buy them in thrift books, like four bucks a pop. So I um, unfortunately know a lot about Warhammer lore. Mm-hmm. Like the last year, I've probably read like twenty or thirty Warhammer novels. Ooh, that's a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So always that. But other than that, I'm I'm mostly reading. Finally, I'm getting into like the books about Russia, which I bought a long time ago and I have been meaning to read, but I've never gotten to. Uh, but especially I'm reading Steel Town USSR, which is about the town of Magnitogorsk, which was the biggest steel producing town in the Soviet Union, uh, which is really interesting because I find Soviet production super interesting because like Matt, sure. I also find uh, uninteresting things really fascinating. <laughs> and it's also by Stephen Kotkin, who wrote a 3,000 page three-part biography of joseph stalin which i also mm-hmm. own and really have been meaning to read for a long time so mostly that and also just in terms of fiction i'm currently reading the fifth season by nk jemison which is kind of a like fantasy-ish novel which i got for christmas from a friend of mine uh, which i've been very much enjoying because it's very outside of my usual genre i don't usually read fantasy mm-hmm. um and also i've been meaning to like expand the backgrounds of authors i read because so i have like I have a problem, and when I say I have a problem, I own about 600 books, um, which mm-hmm. I haven't all bought. I've, I like I used to work at a library for a while, and they had a free book cart, and I always checked it before I left work, which is about four to five times a week. Uh, and also, I lived near a bookstore that closed down, and they just made all books they still had free. So I went and took a hun- oh couple goodness, hundred that books. That sounds like a dream come true. Oh, it was, it's probably like one of the best days of my life. I took hundreds of books and also a bookshelf from them. <laughs> uh oh man yeah that's nice yeah so i've got i've got 500 plus books i and i used to audit my books just to see just get biographical information on like authors and stuff in terms of like americans uh you know background all that kind of stuff and one thing which mm-hmm. i found is that my my the demographics of my authors which part of it's because a lot of it's older scholarship on russia but it's like very predominantly mm-hmm. white men uh, and I also mm. am, I, I love pulpy stuff. I love pulp detective novels and pulp horror. So like I used to read a lot of Lovecraft and Conan the Barbarian stuff and, and pulp detective mm. novels. And that's a, at least the ones I had or genre very much dominated by white men. So I've been meaning to kind of try to yeah. purposefully expand like the demographics of the authors I'm reading. And that's uh, the fifth season is, is uh, written by author who I think she's American. She's a woman. It's really not, it's not important, but I've, 
just want to intentionally try to be conscious of who I'm reading because, you know, I, I just want to spread it out and, and get more, get a wider array of people in the, in the authorship of the books I'm reading. Yeah, I think that's important. I, I, <laughs> I try to do it and I try to think about it, but then I'll read like a hundred pages of War and Peace and be like, all right, I'm done for the day. Nobody ever <laughs> talked to me ever again. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, I think it's good. I see more classes, even classes that I've taken where the things that are assigned wouldn't be the ones that you would traditionally think would fit into that course because they're trying to rethink their pedagogy in general, mm-hmm. which is right. kind of fun to be. One of the things in grad school is just you can be in courses that are very experimental, especially during the pandemic when professors are like, hmm, I don't feel like teaching what I normally teach. What if we did something a little different and it ends up being a, like a cool experience? Yeah. Yeah. That does sound like a good time. Yeah. <laughs> related to this, um, related to academics, we've been talking about so much. So last time we talked about how we both came to Russian stuff in general. Before we came to Russian stuff, you and I came to, in our undergraduate years, the study of international relations, which is what we both have Woof. our BA degrees in. <laughs> yeah. Matt, can you tell me, how did you get into international relations? Because I am curious. Mostly by accident, I think. <laughs> it's probably what Fair. I'm inclined to say. Okay. Well, I have a well, I have a double bachelor's, double major, mm-hmm. international affairs in Russian. And I I don't know. I was really into the, the idea of Washington, D.C. Mm-hmm. and spending time there and living there. I really enjoyed my time as an undergrad. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I think like, wow, I would have loved to have just studied Russian lit at a small liberal arts college. But other times I'm like, no, I was... I was too much of a sweaty coming out of high school i needed time to uh make mistakes and one of those mistakes for me was international relations shout out my undergraduate university (laughs) which was very overpriced for what it was a series of brutalist architecture buildings and that's it yeah good times yeah but so i mean i I knew i had some interest in russia and one of the areas that seemed to address Mm -hmm. those issues was international relations but then when I started studying with other people who were interested in international relations in Russia, I was like, oh, you still have conceptions of Russia as like the Soviet Union. I don't think I can study with you because <laughs> yeah. um, I don't think you understand what you're studying. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of got into the the language aspect really was what carried me into the major. Mm. And then I started taking literature. Well, because I'm a freak and I like <laughs> to learn languages and Russian. I was like, this is really fun. <laughs> When all my <laughs> classmates were like, can we be done? It's like, no, this is pretty nice. I like this. Yeah. Um, and then the literature I I started getting into. I think my first goose by Isaac Bobble was probably the first thing I read. Mm-hmm. And I was like, huh, this is making me rethink things that I took for granted. And the, the more I got into literature courses, the more I... It's just, it's never something that you plan. Right. It's It's something that you feel. And I felt very passionately about a, a lot of things. Yeah. And eventually I realized, I guess I'm just going to do a PhD in this. And that makes me sound very defeatist and fatalist. And I don't mean to sound like that. And like, it's a bad thing when I am yeah. doing this. It's just not something I ever, I don't ever feel like I actively chose to do what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. It just, it kind of came about by the, the people around me that I either liked or didn't like. Right. And I kind of started seeing, I, li- I liked the people that were taking the literature courses. I didn't like the people that I had to take political science courses with. Very different types of people. They're all the worst. Yeah, and we can agree on that. I, as someone who enjoyed my undergraduate, basically political science degree, uh, political science people are always the worst. Yeah. So that's kind of that's kind of how I came to 
international relations mm-hmm. and how I soon came to fall out of it. Right. But because my school was only good for international relations, really, I had to stick with that so it could be on my degree. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. And I don't, I don't think I could. I don't know how my parents would have felt about funding part of education <laughs> for reading Russian literature. I don't I don't know. Yeah. Like like IR has this in this for whatever reason, people think it holds some sort of internal value. It doesn't. For like yeah right like I don't know what it is they think it does quantitative methods or global understanding it's stupid it means nothing so how did you get into international relations I feel rude not asking the question back if you've been listening to the podcast you know that I started life as a Japanese major at my community college which by the way if you're confused about my timeline I am too I started out coming in as a um as a Japanese major unbeknownst to myself um. Spent a year as an English major because I didn't know what I want to do with my life, but I did know I liked to read. Decided that the main problem I could think of was uh, human trafficking. So I got really into reading human trafficking things and like attending anti-human trafficking meetings for the county uh, and like planning to become a cop and like taking California law. And I was like feeling a triple major in uh, California law, sociology and English and joined the FBI. Uh, And then I talked to a lot of cops and then... A lot of them said things to me that I was like, hmm, that's kind of messed up. Uh, and then I decided I really didn't want to do that. <laughs> and yeah. yeah, then like feeling this is all in the course of a year, by the way. This is all my freshman year. I, as you can tell, didn't have very many friends. It was just that and trying to write a book about a Russian soldier in the Chechen war. Uh, <laughs> then I was like, <laughs> I need to leave the country. And I went to Spain. I went there to study Spanish literature actually but just tangentially i happened to take classes in eu politics and middle eastern politics and those just like blew me away about how much i enjoyed international politics especially like the politics of the middle east and the the professor i had he traveled all over the middle east and lived in almost every country we talked about and just talking about the history and how that affected modern politics was completely fascinating to me and by that time i I actually cheated my way into davis my community college had something called a tag agreement or a transfer admission guarantee, which if you like met basic guidelines, you could get guaranteed admission to certain universities. Uh, among them was UC Davis. Uh, so I got guaranteed admittance to UC Davis for not the work you know required. And uh, halfway through the process, decided after taking one Middle Eastern politics class that, yeah, I want to do international relations. Uh, and then I switched <laughs> from Japanese, then English, then English and sociology, then English sociology and California law, or I think technically criminal justice. Uh, into political science and then into international relations because international relations at Davis is just political science, uh, but you are required to learn a language alongside it. So, yeah, ours was very similar. Yeah, the main distinguisher was the language, mm-hmm. and for whatever reason, that would separate out such a different demographic. I think I realized I didn't like international relations when I didn't really care for any of my classes, and I would uh, just spend my time lurking in my library on the Russian sections. Just kind of, I would uh, make up papers for me, myself, to write for classes and just go to the library and create obscenely long bibliographies for myself with books that I wanted to read in the future that were tangentially related to what I was reading. And I was like, okay, well, I guess this is the makings of a PhD here. (laughs) Nobody talked to me. Just let me read my books in silence. Uh, Yeah, yeah. You know, I think community college was, was good for me in a lot of ways because they exposed me to a much wider variety of people than undergraduate did at Davis. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the people I met at community college uh, were 
on basically the same intellectual level as basically everyone I met at Davis. Uh, and they had a lot more real life experience, which I liked a lot more than being at Davis because it was like people at Davis were way more sure of themselves about having less life experience. And also the other thing about community college is the professors were way, way more friendly. And when I did things like when they asked for like a 10 page paper on what Noam Chomsky believed about X, Y, and Z, and then I turned in a 26 page paper on Chomsky's view of anarchism and anarchist viability as a political movement in the United States. Uh, instead of being like Y and giving me an F, they gave me an A and encouraged me, which wasn't good for like my paper writing skills, but it was good for my ego. Mm -hmm. That's actually a paper you can find online. My professor posted it. So if you ever do some sleuthing, you can track down my very early, Heck very yeah. bad work. E you don't need to sleep very hard. I found it like, <laughs> yeah. immediately. I chuckled and I was like, yeah, this is a camera paper, isn't it? Basically, <laughs> I think I've been Googling my name. Um. Well, thank you for listening to bonus episode number three. Unfortunately, we were not as drunk as we were for bonus episode number one. So this was a bit more sober in both senses of the word. But we're glad you're sticking around. And again... Uh, if you happen to be so inclined, you should join our Discord and chat with us directly there, or again, play video games with us, because that would be a lot of fun. Before we end the episode, I gotta give a big shout out to our patrons who are supporting us on Patreon right now. Without them, we would not be able to continue to produce this podcast in a way that was financially feasible. So, shout out everyone who's, who's supporting us. I'm gonna read their names right now. Roland, Jeff, Madeline, Alex, and... Janice and Gary. Those are our seven patrons right now who are carrying <laughs> carrying this podcast. <laughs> if you would like to be one more patron, you may do so. Patreon.com slash Tifty Tolstoy. The music used in this episode was Bella Chow by Toasted Tomatoes. You can find more of their stuff on toastedtomatoes.bandcamp.com and also on YouTube under the same username. As always, if you're looking for other places to find us, you can follow us on Instagram at Tipsy's Tolstoy Podcast or visit our website, tipsytolstoy.com. In addition, you can join our Discord through the link tree in our Instagram bio or in the link in the description of this podcast. I'm leaving those sounds in as the ending. Bella, ciao, ciao. <laughs> <laughs> Bella, ciao, ciao.